So, Anissa, when someone asks you how you're doing, do you ever respond with, busy? I really try not to, um, but I am guilty of saying it when I'm overwhelmed. When I was younger, I definitely used to say that all the time, and I used to wear it as a badge of honor, but then I realized that when other people said that to me, it sounded so arrogant, and I really hated it, so... I now genuinely make an effort not to say busy. I say overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like saying you're busy kind of shuts down the conversation. It's like, well, I'm super important. I have so much going on. It's like I know when people say it to me, I feel kind of defensive. I'm like, oh, well, sorry to bother you. Or like, you think you're busy. I'm busy, too. (laughs) But even though I know it's not a good response, I still find myself saying it a lot. And I think it's because like a lot of people, you know, I have a lot going on. Like I do feel busy. Yeah, and also saying you're busy doesn't really give anything away to anyone in terms of how you're really feeling. Like, what are you busy doing? Are you happy about it because you're working on something that you're passionate about? Are you struggling and do you want to vent? Yeah, it doesn't give them, like, busy, like, oh, I'm sorry, or oh, congratulations. Like, yeah, it gives them nowhere to go. Kind of reminds me of um, that Henry David Thoreau quote that came up in one of our recent articles. He said, it is not enough to be busy. So are the ants. The question is, what are we busy about? The ants. The ants. Isn't that so beautiful? It's like, so are the ants. Are it's you just true. an ant? And I just, I thought that was just so beautiful. And in that article, the, the productivity expert, Mike Vardy, that we quoted, he pointed that out and then he took it a step further and the, the modern day version, right? And he said, throwing around the word busy is like using the F word. It's only powerful in specific situations. That it's is like, so true. true. Like the people who say like the F word all the time, it like loses its meaning. And like, exactly. So does busy. Yeah. You just get annoyed with them. <laughs> Welcome to Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we try to figure out how to work smarter instead of harder. I'm Fast Company Assistant Editor Anissa Purbasari Horan. And I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis. This week we're going to answer the question how can we feel less busy? So I just mentioned earlier that many people say they're busy as a kind of a badge of honor and also to show how important they are. But there are a lot of ways to be busy, and most of them don't necessarily equate or correspond with doing important work. Yeah, it's exactly what that throw quote is getting at. What are you busy about? It's totally possible to have a harried, busy day where you're running around doing a million things, checking emails, going to meetings, and you still feel at the end of the day that you haven't gotten a single thing done. It's possible to have whole weeks like that, feeling busy and overwhelmed but not productive and certainly not doing anything meaningful. And I think that specifically in this day and age of push notification, it's so easy to get sucked into having those kinds of days. Like you have a million things that are screaming for your attention and it takes a lot of self-control to ignore it in the first place. And then, you know, when it comes to picking and choosing, what am I putting my attention to? That takes even more discipline, which a lot of people don't always have as we talked about in our yes. last episode. Willpower, right? Yeah, it all comes together. Yeah, so we've written quite a bit about the topic of feeling busy. And one piece of advice that comes up a lot is defining for yourself what is a priority and what's not. Because I think a lot of people end up feeling busy because they feel like everything is a priority. And when everything is a priority, you feel rushed and frantic and like you have to put out fires all day long. I hate those kinds of days. Yeah, yeah. It's like everything is important. I know. 
And you end up spending a lot of time that you're doing something thinking about all the other things that you have to do, which goes back to another topic that we've talked a lot about, multitasking, giving several things fragmented attention rather than deep focus to one thing at a time. But we know how that works out for yes. people. Yes, like 90% <laughs> no, well. of people are bad at it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like how you usually feel less busy on vacation. I know that I've certainly had vacation days where I did a lot of stuff, and I even felt exhausted at the end of the day. But... Those didn't feel as busy and hectic as a busy day at work can. And I think it's because while I was hiking and ziplining and swimming, I wasn't distracted thinking about all the other fun vacation things I need to get done today, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a mental thing as well because on vacation, when I do get tired, if I don't really feel like doing all the activities that I'd planned to do... I just stay in my hotel and do nothing and I don't feel guilty about it because I'm on vacation and that's what you're supposed to do. But it's like when I get tired at work and I could probably benefit from just taking a break, even just like for 15 minutes to half an hour or like maybe going home early because my work doesn't need to be done that day. Mm -hmm. I don't do that. I force myself to keep going. And even then... I'm thinking about all the 10 other things that I have to do that day. And when I get home, I'm anxious about whether or not I'm going to be able to do those 10 other things the next day. Because it's the difference between like what I should be doing and what I get to do or what I can do. Exactly. You're not like actively being like, okay, I'm making a choice to have a break and it's okay. You're like, like, I should be working. It's like, oh, I need a break, but I should be working. So I feel Mm. guilty. (laughs) It's interesting because people talk about FOMO when it comes to lifestyle experiences, but I actually think it happens in jobs and careers as well. Like, we live in a time where we feel like we need to keep up with all these technological changes, you know, work is changing, and apparently we have to do all these things to keep ourselves employable and relevant in the future. So we don't get replaced by robots. Exactly. And I I feel like that's really prevalent in that industry. We have a lot of pressure to learn all these other things and learn these other things fast. And so for productivity and sanity reasons, I need to get better at saying no to projects and feeling like I'm missing out. But I get scared that if I say no, then I'm not taking on a learning opportunity that could be beneficial for my career. So then it's like I'm in this busy trap and I can't get out of it. Yes. Oh, the busy trap. Yeah. I think there's actually been books and articles called The Busy Trap because you do feel you do get trapped feeling mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's a hamster wheel. So, yeah, we we're very busy talking about how busy we are. <laughs> but I think we need to talk to one, probably one of the actually busiest people I've ever met and worked with. Laura Vanderkam is the author of several time management and productivity books, including 168 Hours, You Have More Time Than You Think, and most recently, Off the Clock, Feel Less Busy While Getting More Done. She is also the co-host of the podcast Best of Both Worlds and a regular Fast Company contributor. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. You are a long, long time Fast Company person, and now you are in yet another Fast Company form. I love it. I I think I could hit all of them. That would be great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We should get a punch card. Yeah, exactly. I get a frequent flyer (laughs) for my my fast company appearances. No, I love you guys. Awesome. Okay. So I want to start with you have written several books. You host a podcast. You're a mom of four kids. You write articles for several publications. You are, by most definitions, pretty busy. 
Do you feel busy? You know, I honestly don't most of the time. Uh, we all have moments in our lives where we feel rushed and stressed. Um, I think what happens, though, is that it's very easy to let those moments become our narrative. We look for certain bits of evidence to support a thesis that we're all crazy and busy because that's what we hear all the time. Uh, but, you know, if you start with a different thesis, namely, I have time for the things that are important to me, then you can start to look for evidence to support that. And I think that most of us have plenty of good moments in our lives, too, moments when we're relaxed and not so stressed and we're doing things that we're happy about. So we can choose to see those as well. Yeah, that kind of gets to uh, you wrote an article recently for Fast Company about um, this trick because most people feel like their time is kind of flying by. And you wrote about a way to like trick yourself into slowing time down by asking yourself a question every day. Yeah, the question is, how is today different from other days? And it's a pretty simple question. If we have, um, you know, listeners who are of the, the Jewish faith, you know, that it's a version of the Passover question. You know, why is tonight different from all other nights? Uh, this is a very secular version of this. But if you just ask this of any given day, what happens in the brain is that our perception of time is influenced by how many memories we have of a given unit of time. So if you think about the first day of a vacation somewhere exotic, it seems very, very long because your brain has no idea what it needs to remember in the future. So it's remembering all of it. And then it seems like time has expanded. Whereas normal adult life is not like that at all. I mean, most of us can't even remember getting to work on any given morning because we're doing the same thing over and over again. And so days start to disappear into this this memory sinkhole. But if you can figure out you know, why today is different from other days, why is today memorable, you make more memories. And then when you have more memories, you feel like you have more time. It's such a great little trick. And I've, I didn't even realize I've been doing a version of it for a long time. I think from, I got the idea from a from Gretchen Rubin's book about keeping a line a day journal for five years. And so I've been doing that and I'll look back. It's it's interesting to, for a lot of reasons. I see like my habits and how I do a lot of the same things. But then I'm also like, oh, yeah, I didn't remember that that day I did that thing. And it makes because the years just all blend together. But it makes me kind of remember my life more. Yeah, and, and certainly one of the ways we can also expand our perception of time is is by doing this sort of dwelling in the past, which, which has this negative connotation, though it really shouldn't. Uh, and one of the best ways to trigger these memories is to look at some sort of artifact of the past. And so your one-sentence journal looking at the past five years is obviously an artifact of, of the past. But it can be different things, too. I mean, maybe it's a song you haven't heard from a while, a song that reminds of a certain period of your life. And so any of these artifacts you can interact with will then pull these memories back. And as you have more memories of a time, then it makes that time expand in, in the rearview mirror. Why do you think that the busy narrative is so prevalent for so many people? It, you know, what you're saying makes total sense. And I'm kind of curious why that's not the default for a lot of people. Like, it seems like that's a good way to live. But why is it that we all get caught in the busy trap when we don't need to? Well, first, I mean, one thing is that the brain naturally focuses on negative, stressful moments. Uh, and it, it, we very much see the negative. Uh, you have to more train your brain to look for positive bits of evidence uh, in addition to the negative ones. But I think there's also sort of a broader philosophical thing going on, which is that when you are busy, that means that the demand for your time is high. 
And if the demand for your time is high, it logically follows that you must be very important. <laughs> and uh, uh, and so, so talking about how busy we are um, is, is another way to get at that same notion. That's so funny. It's like now whenever anybody tells me they're busy, I'm going to just pretend that they're saying, Hi, how are you? I'm very important. That's how I <laughs> <You> know. <laughs> I'm very, very important. Very I just important. wanted to let you know that. Yeah. But the funny thing is, I mean, yes, of course, very important people have a lot of demand for their time. That is very much true. But it does not logically follow that they are then packing every second of their schedules. And indeed, many of the most um, successful, important people I've ever studied are very careful not to do that. They have the means to focus on things that are important to them without racing off to the next thing. So having a high demand for your time is is a sign of being important, but a packed schedule does not follow from that. This gets into something that you do a lot of. A lot of your work has touched on how you uh, how you keep a log of, of all of your hours and how you spend every hour of every day, and you analyze other people's time logs. What do you find when you look at both your own time log and other busy people's time logs? Well, I, I really like tracking time. I mean, from myself, because it has, you know, it's an artifact of the past, right? I can call up past moments. Uh, But I also like looking at other people's time logs because it shows you how time really happens. We all have stories we tell ourselves about where the time goes and what our lives look like. We, We have a tendency to view certain days or weeks as typical. Uh, So if you ask somebody to describe a typical day, they will never describe a weekend. You know, I've had people track their time for a week and then say, oh, well, I really should track another week. That wasn't typical because, you know, I had a half day on Thursday because, you know, I had a dentist appointment and came in late because of that. I said, well, unless that will never happen again in your life. (laughs) Like, it's not completely atypical that there would be time away from work. Uh, Because of that, a big chunk of people in even very big demanding jobs probably work fewer hours than they think they do. Uh, you know, most people have some quantity of leisure time, uh, but in our minds, not as much as I want, can very easily become none. And then, you know, people are telling you I have no free time whatsoever. They've got a time log, it's got uh, like a massage on it. But the person's like, well, that never happens, except that it did. <laughs> we have these stories we tell ourselves about our lives, and the evidence does not always 100% support that. And so then we try to not see the evidence. But uh, yeah, you know, I really do think most of us have more time than we think we do. Do you find from people's time logs and from your own a lot of wasted time? A lot of like, because I, I feel guilty about that of like, I don't feel like I have a lot of leisure time. I don't feel like I have a lot of like time off, you know, after all of my chores and all of that are done. And then, you know, between that and like going to bed, like I don't have that much time, but I have a a suspicion I waste a lot of that time. <laughs> well, you know, there there are sort of obvious time wasters. I mean, one of the things that doesn't register for a lot of people is stuff like surfing the web, um, especially on your phone. It often starts with like a work email check. Um, and so in your mind, you're doing something productive. Like I've, I've done a little bit of work, but then, you know, you're quickly moving on <laughs> from that to other things. But a lot of it is just sort of a lack of intentionality that winds up wasting time. Um, time kind of disappears in between meetings. You have maybe an hour, but one runs a little bit over. So then it's like 45 minutes, but it's hard to use 45 minutes for anything else. And, you know, that's what makes people wind up staying late or feeling frantic because they don't get started on the stuff they really have to do until quite late in the day. I feel like you're describing most people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, they're like, yes, how did you know? That is exactly what I do. Uh, well, you know, people are all pretty similar, too. Sometimes <laughs> in my speeches, I joke about, you know, that novel that's been sitting on your bedside stand for the last six months. And I have a couple of people look at me like, wait, <laughs> 
how did you know about that? So it's like, no, well, you know, we're, we're pretty much all the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I'm honest with myself, actually, I'm like, I've kind of like stopped pretending a long time ago. Definitely serving the web and social media is probably 90% of where my time is wasted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is exactly that too. It's like, oh, I got to like do these two work things and then like some, why the hell am I on Twitter now? And yeah. I know. Um, actually, that brings us to kind of one of our next question, which is, you know, you wrote a story for Fast Company a few years ago that was titled, you're only as busy as you think you are. And you've kind of mentioned about how like people think that they're busier than they are. How do you advise someone in terms of like knowing where to think they're thinking about their time correctly? I suspect that most people find it really hard to wrap their heads around changing the narrative. Like, how do they know if they genuinely do have too many things and they need to kind of cut out things from their lives or if they're just thinking about their time the wrong way? You know, when people want to spend their time better, I always suggest that they do try tracking their time. You, you don't have to do it sort of continuously as I do. Um, you could you could track your time for one week and would have a pretty good sense of your life and, and where the time really goes. Uh, just, you know, write down what you're doing uh, as often as you remember, probably about three or four times a day, check in what you've done since the last time. Um, you know, you can use a spreadsheet for this. You can use a time tracking app. You can write it down in a notebook, like whatever you want. And do you do that by half hour, by hour? I do it by half hour. I have these spreadsheets that I use. It's, it's just Excel. People think it's something special, but it's not. Um, and it just it has the days of the week along the top times on the left side, half hour blocks going from 5 a.m. to 4.30 a.m. So 336 cells to make up a 168 hour week. And yeah, I just write down, you know, probably three times a day I check in and write down what I've done since the last time I checked in. I've been doing that for about three years now, which again, I would say nobody needs to do that. Like, don't go screaming off this podcast now. (laughs) She just told me to track my time for three years. Like one week will give you a pretty good sense of, of where your time goes. And the, the really tricky thing about time is it does keep passing whether or not we think about where it's going. And so it's very difficult to sort of direct it while you're in it. Uh, the only way to really do this well is to pause and kind of pull yourself out of it. And, and you can't really because it keeps going, but you can sort of build in reflective moments to your life. My time log does that for me, but it could be journaling. It could be meditating, praying, or just, you know, building in planning time to your life. Yeah, I totally um understand with the whole reflection thing because it's something that I started doing at the end of the week and when I started doing it it felt really overwhelming and it's like oh I have to go and sit down for like half an hour but then when I actually tracked it it takes like five minutes to be like okay did I meet my goals for the week um what can I do and you know like sometimes I'll forget it all on Sunday and I do it on Monday morning and it's fine but I remember that when I started it for some reason it seems to be like this big overwhelming task that is not really. <laughs> like, am I happy with my life? Yeah, Still exactly. On the, on the calendar, think about whole life. I, I mean, yes, that seems a bit overwhelming. It can be a very quick exercise, but doing it will change your whole perception of time. I did a, a time diary project for this most recent book where I had 900 busy people track their time for a day, asked them questions how they felt about their time. And I found that the people with the highest time perception scores, so that is the people who felt time was most abundant, who felt most relaxed about their time, were far more likely to engage in these sort of reflective activities. Uh, It's not about time, you know, it's just building in these moments to reflect will allow you to take far more control of your time and get over this busy narrative. And were the people who felt more time abundant, did they actually, when you looked at their logs, did they actually have more time than those other people or was it the same? 
it was pretty much that they had the same amount of time. So everyone I had tracked their time, uh, worked a full-time job and had a family at home. So their, their discretionary time was, was somewhat limited. Um, there weren't huge differences in the amount of time people worked. Uh, the people with the lowest time perception scores only worked about 18 minutes more on average um, on that uh, March Monday. I had them track versus the, I mean, than the average score. So it wasn't like they were working around the clock. Pretty much everyone works somewhere between seven and nine hours because that's what people with full-time jobs do. I mean, more or less. Sleep was not that different either. It's really what we choose to do with this discretionary time we have. Um, people with low time perception scores were more likely to have spent that time watching TV or surfing the web, um, whereas people with the higher time perception scores tended to spend their leisure time more on things like exercise, reflective activities, and spending time with friends and family. Is there, and I, I feel like you might have mentioned this in one of your books, a way to figure out when you're doing an action, if it's productive or if it's just busy work? Well, I don't know if there's a, a tried and true way to figure this out. And some things that may even seem like busy work turned out to be very effective in, in the long run. And then vice versa, too. Things that we think we're working really hard on just you know turned out to be a total career detour. And, and that maybe was not the direction we should be going. So there, there's no good way. So I guess we, we can't obsess so much about the individual minutes with things. I think it's more a question of, as I think through my upcoming week, what are my top priorities, both professionally and in terms of relationships and for myself. And if you've got a couple in each category and you've put those on the schedule somewhere, uh, you know, then the big stuff is happening and, and the minutes can kind of go as they go. I mean, certainly you probably do want to check in from time to time and ask yourself, well, what is my purpose here? Um, and if your purpose seems like something you find meaningful or enjoyable for yourself or the people you care about, great. Uh, if it's not, you can pause and say, well, why? You know, why am I doing this? Is it because there's a really good reason, even though I'm not, you know, finding it meaningful or enjoyable? And then that could be a good reason, too. But if it doesn't fit in any of those categories, then, then it might be worth reconsidering. So, Laura, for someone who feels overwhelmed and busy and, you know, they might be listening to this and think this is a good idea, but I don't even know where to start. What's the number one thing that you think they should start with? Well, while I would love for them to track their time for a week, if sometimes if people are overwhelmed, that is probably not going to be the first thing they're going to do. Next Friday afternoon, whatever this, maybe you're listening to this on a Friday afternoon, but uh, whatever the next Friday afternoon is, you take a few minutes and do a little bit of reflection. Make a list for the upcoming week of your top priorities, both personally and professionally. So professionally, maybe list three things that you really want to have happen in the next week. Um, and then in terms of your relationships and for yourself, maybe two in each category for that. And then look at your calendar for the next week, see where you can put them in. And then you can also take a two or three minutes to look at what is already on your calendar for the next week and kind of triage it. Say, well, you know, what do I not want to do? And of, of that, could any of it disappear? You know, could I cancel things? Uh, or, you know, things you can delegate both personally and professionally as well. Um, but spending a few minutes looking at your calendar and thinking about what you'd like to do and what you would not like to do and how you can get some of those not like to do off your plate, uh, you can free up all kinds of time. Yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think those are actually all the questions that we have for you. 
Um, thank you so much. I know you're <laughs> very busy. <laughs> hey, I got all the time in the <laughs> Yeah, exactly, right? Thanks so much for joining us, Laura. Uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. You're actually going to be at the Fast Company Innovation Festival for our live episode of this podcast, so I can't wait for that. I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, Kate, do you feel less busy now? <laughs> you know, actually from reading a lot of Laura's work, I've taken some of her advice in the past and focusing in on moments have helped me feel less busy because I do have time each day, like particularly with my son, where I'm just like sitting on the floor and playing with him and the, that does slow time down and that like I'm not checking work and I'm not doing anything else and that helps like me feel less busy even though I did a million other things that day. Yeah, I feel like for me, I think what I need to get better at, because um, I'm kind of the same in terms of, you know, I've realized I've in- inadvertently introduced a series of systems that allows me to do some of the most important things in my life that other people might think like they don't have time to do. Because you think, work out every day, right? Yeah, most yeah. days. Um, and that's that's one of the number one things. People, yeah. I don't have time to work out. It's like, yeah. Mm. But then it's like, I was like, well. It's not like you can you can't just make it happen. You have to be like, okay, what time am I get up? What time am I going to sleep? You mean you don't just wake up and you're already <laughs> on the treadmill? Like, yeah, you have to. Yeah, I exactly. Wish. Yeah, and I think that that um, the reflection is where that becomes you know important and useful because then you can look at it and be like, well, maybe this is how I do like to spend my mm-hmm. time, and it's okay. Just because it might not be how other people spend their time doesn't necessarily mean that like it's invalid. You know, like I think that that sometimes is. What makes me feel busy when I was hearing, you know, what Laura was saying is that sometimes it's not just about wasting time. It's also about doing all these other activities that maybe I feel like I should do. Instead of, yeah, yeah but I, do. But isn't really think, that important. I think I've been kind of resisting it for years, but I think I might try the time tracking just because it would be interesting to see, like, oh, is there something I'm not doing enough of like am I not spending enough time with my friends am I spending mm-hmm. too much time in meetings yes am <laughs> I um you know am I spending too much time wasted on the internet yeah. yes it's kind of like tracking your budget right mm-hmm. I was thinking that when she was saying about how oh you can like see where the bad habits are that's exactly the same thing as tracking your yep. spending the internet is the avocado toast of time <laughs> and that's it for this week's episode of secrets of the most productive people Find more articles about how you can feel less busy on the show notes below. Do you swear by any habits to make it seem like you have more time than you do? Let us know using the hashtag FCMostProductive. And join us in two weeks when we'll be talking about how to make and break habits with Gretchen Rubin. In the meantime, you can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And don't forget to listen to our other podcast, Creative Conversation. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Shannon Burner. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you next time.